You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 194 of the Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we discuss taking your dog to public places, the do's and don'ts. In Tigopedia, we learn about magnesium. In Critter Nutrition, we focus on hoary Elysium and hay. And in Coffee Clutch, we ask, what animal would you not want to be? Join us. I'm Tigger. And I'm Patty. And I'm Coach Jen, ringleader (laughs) (laughs) of this year's circus. (laughs) Welcome back, everybody. It's wintertime. The entire competitive jumper, hunter, and dressage universe is in Wellington right now. Wellington and Ocala. And Ocala, that's true. We're catching up now. Mm -hmm. So uh, this time of year, we're all getting together just once a month instead of twice, but Rest assured, come springtime, we will back to be back to our twice a month schedule. And for this fun-filled day, as usual, <laughs> Tigger and Patty said, Jen, come up with something to chat with, chat about, because we didn't get anything. So today's topic is what is your favorite non-food reward for you and your animals? Tigger, go. Non-food reward. Uh, for me, for it's you probably shopping. For you and you, for shopping. Going <laughs> <laughs> online and getting something. Retail um, therapy. For the dogs uh, in Wellington, it's definitely going for a walk. Aww. Hmm. Yes, space is at a premium for those yes. who have not been to Wellington. Uh, <laughs> take a really big, crazy, busy city and plop a horse show grounds in the middle. <laughs> yeah. And the my dogs come from a farm where they've got lots of room to run and play. And and they've been squished down to a postage stamp. So yeah. th- that would be a big reward. A nice long walk. There we yeah. go. So, Patty, how about you? Um, definitely for my dogs, throwing the ball. Like that's, that is almost better than food to them. They just absolutely love, you know, chasing, um, the ball. Now, are they Um, ball specific or will they chase anything you throw? They're a little bit, a little bit more ball specific, but, um, my one Aussie will definitely chase anything um that's cash he'll chase like you know he'll get he'll pick up a stick and whatever um burke burke has a a very soft dainty sissy mouth and so like if he doesn't like if the ball doesn't feel right in his mouth he'll like drop it and look at me like how could you so he doesn't (laughs) like so running in hot to go get a stick and then turn around and be like oh there's no way that happening where cat is like hey let's pick up Burke cuts the crusts off of his sandwiches. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, he cuts the crusts off of sandwiches. <laughs> and I do it. I do it. I'm fine with it. How about for you um, personally? Um, I would say, honestly, the first thing I thought of was going on a trail ride. That's like the biggest reward. I love going on trail rides. Aww. Um, yeah. Um, well, and actually, Going on trail rides when I have a ball to throw my dogs would probably be the ultimate. Let me say going on trail rides. There you go. How about you, Jen? Oh, that's great. For my horses, it's um, because my horses live out 24-7. Going for a walk is not a big deal. But (laughs) that being said, um, I'm going to say, because what they like best as a reward and what I like best as a reward are probably different. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For Scooter, our hackney pony, his is it's absolutely scratches. He's the itchiest pony ever. Oh wow. And he will pretty much crawl on your lap for scratches. 
Yeah. So that's for definitely it for Scooter. For Nigel, he likes to be walked like a dog. Just put a head collar on him, put a lead rope on him, and go for a stroll anywhere. He just thinks that's so much fun. (laughs) He's like a dog. Woo, this is fun. Where are we going? (laughs) And how about for Jen? For Jen, my favorite non-food reward is quiet. Ah. Just no input, just quiet. Yeah, I love Sensory that. deprivation. Yes. <laughs> I could have one of those tanks. <laughs> then how often do you get to do that? Not quite as often as I'd like. But it, it goes and fits and starts. There's Life gets busy because I still work full time. And then things quiet down and I get to have some some me time. Then things get busy again and, and they settle down. And, and right now we're in one of those busy sections. Oh, yeah. Um, yes, Next three months yeah, for we're, me. We're, we're in a busy section right now. Yeah. But I am sure quiet will come back. And we just had a week of quiet. We, we took a little vacation between Christmas and New Year's. And although I was around lots of other people because we took a little cruise, we had a lot of quiet time because we really weren't interacting. I hid hid it in our cabin and sat on the balcony and read a lot of books. I consumed five books in six days. Oh, oh are you lucky dog? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be wonderful. So that was a real treat. And Glenn actually got some books. He listened to his. He didn't read them, but he actually did two books while we were there. Yay, Glenn. <laughs> That's pretty good for like a year. That's amazing. That absolutely blows my, I, I, even listening to books, it takes me like, I don't know, three months. <laughs> oh, if I, if I get something that I'm really into, I just, I tend to just dive in and I'll stay up half the night reading my book. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm the same way. And yeah. I much prefer reading to listening. Every time I read, I fall asleep though. See, there you go. Well, that's okay though, because that lets your, that means your brain is going, oh, time to take a break and you get yep. good sleep. You yeah, know, but I've, it's usually like three minutes in. That's okay. It, <laughs> I have certain books I I don't read myself to sleep, but I do listen to books to go to sleep. And there are certain books I listen to to go to sleep. And I think I mentioned this once before on the show that I keep a copy of uh, Winnie the Pooh on my phone. Oh, yeah, and I list and they're really short stories. So if you miss them, it doesn't matter. And you're just repeating the same story over because it's like six stories and you get to the end of them, you just start it over. And that's a great way for me to go to sleep because it's a familiar, relaxing voice. Yeah. And you don't have to pay attention. Don't have to. I, and it, and the, the way A.A. Milne wrote them, there's, it creates such a vivid picture in your mind. Yes. And that's nice to go to sleep too because you have, I just, a hundred acre wood. I just like that vision to go to sleep to. Me too. There we go. Versus anything by uh, Stephen King, you don't go to sleep. Oh, forget it. (laughs) (laughs) You never go to sleep. Again, you never go to sleep. (laughs) You never go to sleep. There we go. So another quiz question. We very recently here on the East Coast had some lovely, crazy weather come rolling through. Did Wellington get to enjoy any of the, the latest storm that rolled through? Oh, yes. Oh, how about you, Patty? How'd you fare? Um, we had, um, a night of such ridiculous wind, um, which is a thing in North Texas anyway, but, um, it was like consistent 40 to 60 mile an hour winds all Ooh. night long. Oh, wow. um, I have a trailer in for, for lessons four times a week. And one of the horses, um, when he got to the barn, like the, one of the girls will ride and put, you know, one, the other guy in the stall and he laid down. And we're, and I was like, yeah, we're not riding him. He's tired. I mean, he like, like literally just flat out like, oh, thank God I can, you know, I can go to sleep because the wind finally stopped. So it was pretty, it was pretty amazing. Uh, We didn't have any weather. I mean, we had rain, but, um, but the wind was intense. Yeah. Now for your, for your horses, they tend to spend time indoors and out. They go in their stall sometimes and they're turned out sometimes. Whenever you have weather like that come through, do you have parameters where if the wind wind gets to point, you know, speed X, Y, or Z, everybody comes in or do you play it it by ear? How does that work for you? Um, I, um, basically my horses go out, um, this time of year, they can, they go out all day and, 
um, then I bring them in at night. It, it, you know, it's, it's weird. The weather is changed a little since I first moved up here, but you know, the first winter that I was here, I was turning them out at night cause it really wasn't that cold. It wasn't a bed and it was good. You know, I was like, okay, great. They can get out all night. This is great. But there was a couple evenings where I was like, uh, wow, that's a pop-up storm. And the weather can be pretty, you know, lightning can be really intense. So I just don't turn them out at night anymore. So basically I have a couple, um, one retired horse and a baby that can go in and out. Um, unless it's really wicked weather, then I, I, you know, lock them up at night, but, um, all my horses just come in at night just because it's, because the weather can be so severe. You just never know. Yeah. Yep. There we go. Yeah. Since mine live out 24 seven, we had a, I had a, had a frank, an honest discussion with the gal who takes care of them at the boarding stable, who who is just lovely. She's a saint. Uh, I said, you know, unless it looks like there's a tornado coming, just leave them out. Cause they're used to being out 24 seven. Yeah. And yeah. lo and behold, yesterday afternoon at dinner time, scooter would not come down to the barn for dinner. He just refused. He said, sorry, I'm staying well, out. Apple. Nigel came trotting on in, came in, got his grain, but scooter said, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm not going to the barn. And it was just wailing down. The rain was coming down by the bucketfuls and 20 to 30 mile an hour wind. And it was a mess, but he would not leave. He, nope, I'm staying out. Okay. There you go. Oh, yeah. Hmm. yeah he, he's one of those, he's lived out for the most of the 10 years that we've owned him. He's spent mo- the vast majority of that time living out 24 seven. And yeah. He comes in every day for an hour or two because he has to be in a stall while Nigel eats because there's only one stall and uh, Nigel has to stand in the field and eat his hay, eat his grain while Scooter spends time in his stall. And it seems like Scooter, Scooter's default for comfort, safety, and happiness is the field. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll, he he goes in the stall and he's he's reasonably mannerly. You know, he he kind of looks around a little bit. He's mannerly. He doesn't cause a big fuss or scream or yell or buck or kick or anything like that or pace. But he's obviously stressed and he's keeping it to himself because given the option, he doesn't go in there. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting stuff. How, how you know, yeah. you talk when you talk about your calming paste products, Tigger, you always talk about horses who wear their stress on the outside and horses who wear their stress on the inside. Yep. It's interesting to observe those kinds of behaviors because I would not have, until we had Scooter and Nigel living in the situation where they are now, where there's one stall and both horses have to be able to eat separately because of Scooter's food aggression, I would never have guessed that Scooter wasn't perfectly content in a stall because he doesn't act up. And yet Hmm. he's telling us now that when he goes in that stall, he doesn't get anything in he gets a little handful of something, but if any time, if there's anything going on in the farm, there's workmen out working on the trees or construction going on. There's weather. Anytime there's anything going on, he says, that's okay. I'll skip dinner. I'll stay out here. Who knew? Oh, wow. Yeah. Kind of interesting. So there you go. If you have a horse who wears their stress on the inside and you've noticed that it comes out in odd ways, we'd love to hear about that. Where can they tell us? Healthy Critters Radio. There you go. Um, on, on Facebook. Facebook. Facebook page. For a second, I was going to say Biostar. I'm like, wait, wrong one, Patty. Wrong one. <laughs> no, Healthy Critters Radio on Facebook. Yes. The podcast yeah. has a Facebook page. And please go over there yeah. and hit the follow button because there's fun stuff going on. So we're at a roundtable discussion, and I had an experience actually over Thanksgiving and I was sharing it with Tigger and I was like, this is something that I'd love to just discuss and get feedback. Cause I was a little bit overwhelmed. I um, recently got a, um, a horse trailer that has living quarters. And so my husband and I decided to go to this great place called Minerals Park. It's 30 minutes away. It is the most amazing. It's, it's hard to believe it's like so close to where I live. And my husband was like, let's bring the dogs. And I'm like, okay, let's bring the dogs. This will be a lot of fun. So I don't know, Tigger, if you've brought your dogs um, out on hiking trails. I know you have to walk them in, in Wellington and whatever. I was so overwhelmed by the inappropriateness of how people were handling um, their dogs and, um, 
and just, just, it was just overwhelming to me. A perfect example is um, I've got my two dogs on a leash. I'm keeping them by me. And, you know, you, you guys have been on trails, I'm sure, you know, the paths are, are narrow. And, um, but if you're passing somebody that has a dog and you're kind of pulling your dog back and sort of standing in front of it, um, I cannot tell you how many people just would let their dogs and a lot of people have those retractable leashes. Ah, you guys know the world's worst. Yes. Well, they're, they're horrible for so many reasons, but I literally stood in front of my dog and one of my dogs can be a little bit funky. Like he can give off a weird vibe. I don't know that he would actually do anything. Catch can get a little bit sort of like kind of, I hate to use the word territorial because he's not aggressive in any way, but I can see another dog getting a bad vibe from that and trying to beat the crap out of my dog. Right. And so I'm standing in front of him sort of blocking them and they let the dog. So we're on a path. So there's a lake, um, this very small path. I'm up sort of against a mountain with rocks blocking my dog. And this person let the retractable leash go around my leg so that her dog could greet my dog. Oh now, my God. I, um, I was the, and this happened more than once with different. And so at this point I can just feel my husband. So we're, we're from New Jersey, <laughs> from the Northeast. And, you know, we, we have a, a way of handling things <laughs> and, um, I, I can just hear him going, Patty, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I was about, cause I didn't, what I did, I didn't want to do a couple of things. I didn't want to scare my dog. I didn't want to make my dog become dog aggressive because this person allowed this dog. I obviously was blocking the dog. And I just looked at this person and I said, could you please remove your dog from the back of my legs? Anyway, just absolutely dumbfounded. Like, and I was like, okay, that's just, that's just one person. So anyway, the, the point of what I want to discuss with this is that what, what do you, do you guys do? What I ended up doing, um, I, I thought I was doing all the right things by blocking my dogs or pulling them off to the side or not to the point where I wasn't even making eye contact with people to the point where I was making eye contact with people, like looking at them going, don't come near me. You know, like it was just such a strange thing. And I found it happened. I would say eight times. Wow. Easily wow. In 24 hour period. Um, the worst was walking up, a, you know, a big hill and getting to the top of the hill and there's this little girl and her dog, and they're they're absolutely standing in the path of where we're going to go. And in my mind, I kept thinking that's a very sweet looking lab type of dog. But this kid's about six or seven. That dog is going to protect its child. So I immediately looked at Peter and I said, "Listen, just back up a little because he had catch." And I said, "I don't want. I'm going to ask. I'm going to find this kid's mother because in the dog is wagging his tail and being really sweet." And just to, because the kid's now wrapped up in the leash oh God. around the dog. And I know this dog is going to either lunge for it out of being sweet or lunge for it because it wants to protect this little, this little girl. Um, I was right. It wanted to protect the little girl. And, but as I get to the top of the hill and I look at this woman, I said, ma'am, could you please, as soon as I said that that dog came lunging forward, knocked the kid over. And I thought to myself, how can people be this naive? So. Anyway, I, so what I ended up doing the second day that we were there, as people were approaching me, and if I felt like they were going to not, you know, pull their dog in or whatever, I just looked at the people and I said, excuse me, can you please keep your dog to your side? Um, I probably offended about three people and the other six were like, oh, absolutely, positively. Um, but it, to me, if you're going to go and do something like that, and Tigger, I'm be curious you're, if you've had any interactions like this. But I just found it, and one of these people that were had a pit bull, and probably was the sweetest dog I've ever seen in my life. But you all know, if a pit bull wants to get, um, you know, get aggressive, they're big, strong dogs. Yeah. And it was the most well-behaved dog out of all the experiences I had. But I also said to this person, I said, "I'm, hey, excuse me, I'm worried about my dog. I'm just going to pull off to the side." And they were incredibly appropriate, and the dog was fine. But. I ended up finding that I had to completely be on top of every person that walked towards me. Um, I had one guy let, that I was sitting on a rock. The dogs were sitting, a dog were tied to a tree way behind me. Dog kind of like runs over my lap to go get to the dog. And that finally I stood up and that's when I was, 
<clears throat> I got a little aggressive because I was like that. I mean, the dogs were like running over me to get to my dogs. But so Tigger, have you ever had an experience like this when walking your dogs out in public? Uh, no. But, Maybe. but my dogs in public are, you know, in a suburban area. If I see another dog coming and it's on a retractable leash, we'll just turn and go the other way. I don't even try to uh, take uh, it on. There's no point. A retractable leash tells me everything, basically. Right. Exactly. It says that it's a pretty much of a clueless owner. And they can get pulled over by a retractable leash. So I just avoid, you know, on a trail, it's a totally different thing. You know, when my dogs are on a trail, it's in our, you know, it's on the farm. There aren't any other dogs. So I, I don't, I don't have that experience except when I, I had a Kenobi this fall in puppy class and the puppy class was in a shopping center and so we had to walk you know sidewalks and be you know civilized and um kenobi does not really like other dogs he doesn't he's not aggressive in any way but he just doesn't find their company interesting he'd much rather be with a human hmm. so we were we had come out of class and this is really a lovely it's not a strip mall shopping center it's it's more like a european market if you will mm-hmm. yeah. and there are benches and and this guy is sitting on his bench and he's got an old english sheepdog and kenobi absolutely had a heart attack what the heck is that? Oh, yeah, okay. He couldn't figure it out. And he runs backwards into a building. I mean, just terrified. Now, mind you, I have a purse, a jacket, and a and a bag of of uh stuff I purchased at the dog store. I have to drop everything in the sidewalk. <laughs> Go walk around the the uh, the guy and his dog, and go to the other corner. And I realized the keys to my car were in the jacket that I dropped on the sidewalk, close to this guy. And I so I I go, hey, do you would you mind um, uh, watching that for me? And he goes. Oh, no problem. My wife will be here any second. She can bring it to you. And I said, well, that's great. And at this point, there was a safe enough distance for Kenobi. He was not stressing. Well, okay. one minute later, a guy walks up to the guy on the bench and hands him a coffee. And the guy who's who has the old English sheepdog, you know, says something to him about bringing me my stuff that I dropped. And the guy picks up the stuff and comes towards me. The guy on the bench goes, that's not my wife. And I said, I'm not judging. And, and, you know, we all laughed. It was just a random human who brought him some coffee. (laughs) That's kind of funny. Yeah. it's Well, and that's that's another good point. Because it was just such a weird experience for me to have... So many people, like I kept thinking, it's one thing if you see the same dog person over and over again, but to have so many people just not, I guess that really the one thing that I want to say, it made me so aware of how unaware people that have dogs are, like they have no clue what can go wrong, you know? And I, cause I kept thinking, you know, all of these people seemed like they were pretty decent people, except for the the one dog that ran like completely over me. And that, and that, that's where I, I, you know, I I came unglued. I'm like, all right, buddy, this is ridiculous. The dogs are up there. Don't let your dog, you know, to the point, you know, where you having to say to somebody, do not let your dog go come near my dog. Like I would think if you see a very tall woman, you know, standing very strongly in front of her dog, I don't know that I would like let the dog go around my legs. But it just made me so aware of how little 
people know. So the, the last thing that happened, and it ended up not being a big deal, we're on this one trail that was like really off the beaten path. And, um, and it was really early in the morning. It was really, really cold. And someone let their dog off the leash, which again, I, I, you know, I don't oh. think you're supposed to do like a pretty strong leash law. Um, do that. No one's there. And if your dog has a great recall, that's great. Well, guess what? This dog did not have a good recall. And, you know, you said something about Kenobi that you really described catch. I mean, it's catch doesn't mind other dogs. He's okay with them, but he'd much rather just be with his own little yeah. Yeah. tribe of dogs and yeah. people. And, um, and he, and he's the type of dog, if somebody were to attack him, it would, it would ruin him. I mean, he would just, I'd never be able to bring him in public because he's just so highly, uh, he's an emotional dog in a good way, but he, he's so smart that he would just always be looking for that to happen again. And so I'm now having to, I'm picking my dogs up, like we're picking them up, putting them up like over, you know, our shoulders. And this person is walking along, just walking up, seeing us doing this and going, oh, here's Skipper, here, 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 here. Like, like no intensity, no, like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And it just blew me away. And it just made me realize, you know, like I said, that people just don't know what they're, a lot of times don't know what they're doing with dogs. But, but, you know, I just think that <laughs> there just has to be some sort of an etiquette. I'm going to go, we're going to go do this again. I'm going to see if I have the same experience. But, you know, the biggest thing is that I found that ended up rectifying the situation as people approached. Every time someone would approach me, if they had an animal, I would, I just had to say, can you please keep your dog to yourself? You know, please don't let your dog come over wildly towards me, yeah. which I just thought was such a strange yeah. and thing. I've, I've been very lucky in that we have not experienced that level of cluelessness. Mm -hmm. And I Perfect will wrap word. this discussion up with two things. First of all, from my point of view, you handled it perfectly. Yeah. Okay. And also by handling it that way, many of those people probably never realized that another dog, they were, they didn't know what they didn't know. Unconscious yes. incompetence. They didn't even know it could be an issue. And by you addressing it the way you did respectfully and clearly those people, some of them who were clueless went, Hmm, maybe there's a different way to handle a dog. And maybe it's important that my dog isn't allowed to freely interact with dogs that we don't know. Point. The, the light bulb might have come on for some people because you handled it so well. Well, thank you for saying that. Cause I, a little bit, I, I, it, it kind of unglued me. I mean, to the point where Tigger and I were talking about something, I'm like, I got to tell you what happened. And I was like, <laughs> we need to talk. Uh, so that I want to, then I'm going to look at it positively. So that's okay. So then one of the do's is, is to handle it in a similar fashion. So hopefully people can learn. Yes. Clearly, concisely, respectfully, because whether they're, whether they are aware of it or not, handling it in an aggressive or mean way doesn't help anybody. It's not going to change no. anybody's mind. Um, so handling in that, that way. And we get, a, we get a lot of interactions when we take our greyhounds out because they're kind of unique looking. Oh, look at the funny dog. I've actually had children when we walk, we'll dock the dogs in more urban areas and kids don't get a lot of exposure to a lot of different animals in general. Uh -huh. look, uh, we actually had a little kid come up to us. He was probably eight, nine years old and say, is that a deer? Oh, yeah. And he was very, he was very respectful. We very rarely would come across kids in, in the urban settings and in the cities where we would walk that were anything but careful. Now they didn't always under, they didn't know the finer points of interacting with a strange dog or not interacting with a strange dog, but you could tell that they were trying their darndest to be respectful. They would come up and they would, oh, be, but, they would be really quiet. They'd say, can I pet, pet your dog? Or they would say, what kind of dog is it? We, we would not come across kids who just, cause you know how it is. If, if children aren't taught, they don't know. Right. They walk up oh, to the dog and stick their hand out. <laughs> yeah. Never it's came wrong. across any of those. Hmm. Uh, which, and somehow or another between the age of nine and 30, we forget all that stuff. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> 
So that's the first thing. And the second thing is there's some kind of an adage, and I'm sure I'm getting it wrong, to the effect of um, one in three people in the world is ugly or something like that. And if you look around and nobody around you is ugly, (laughs) (laughs) one one in three people in the world does not know how to handle their dog properly in public. If nobody around you is not handling their dog properly, <laughs> yeah, because people might what not even realize they're doing it. I that was really the biggest impression that I got. So I think that you saying that um, my actions hopefully help them that makes me feel better because I was like, oh my gosh, this is like I'm not going to bring my dogs again. You're an but, ambassador. I'm an ambassador. Didn't even know it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast world only talking Pomeranian. Yeah. Happy New Year to everyone. Are we enjoying 2024? Loving well, our time. Well, we would like to know what your um what your New Year's resolutions are for 2024. Well, as you know, I have some things I could work on to improve, such <laughs> as tolerating lesser beings such as my human so i am pledging myself pledging here on this podcast a very public announcement i am going to try to accept her limitations and not change her wow (laughs) she is what she is And it is time for me to accept that she is limited, but that she tries hard. And so I should recognize the effort and not try to correct her. How benevolent of you. Wow. It's going to be a big year for me, you know. I have long labored to improve her. (laughs) Well, now you've got a lot more time to do other things. Yeah, I look at this as an opportunity for my own self-improvement. Well, isn't that insightful of you, Hetty? Well, thank you. I'm trying very hard to be a better creature. Wow. I know. It's hard to imagine that I could even be better, but I think... I was was thinking, what alien has invaded Hetty's body? (laughs) Are you sick? Seems a little rude, Tigger, but you know, in my new um persona, my new accepting of people's um limitations, I must meet you where you are. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and any anything else in your uh 2024 resolutions? Well, I do have a few other things I'm going to work on. For example, we have a new foster dog living with us, and she's blind and she runs into me, but I'm trying not to take it personally because I understand she cannot see. So it's not her fault, you know, because she can't see. So at this time, I'm just trying to recognize that she's a good dog and she just will find her own home and it's not her fault if she steps on me. <laughs> okay. That's so that, good. What's her name? What's her name, Hetty? Her name is Sasha, and she was found wandering around on the street, and nobody claimed her or anything. She has some health issues, but she's a very good dog. Is she, what kind of dog is she? She's a miniature apricot poodle. Oh, yeah. Does she, does she get a fancy, fancy hairdo? And is her fancy hairdo anywhere close to as awesome as your fancy hairdo? Well, if I may say, she came in a bit of a mess from the shelter because, of course, they're very overwhelmed there. It's not their fault. And she had many, many burrs and sand stickers and things. And so my human had to shear off of her about six inches of disgusting poodle hair. Ooh. And it was really uh, smelly. So then she had a bath. 
Uh, and now she's looking a little bit naked, but still very cute. Mm-hmm. Cute. My my human is not Vidal Sassoon. But again, if I may say, it's not <laughs> fault that she's limited. She did not take dog grooming classes or anything. <laughs> well, now, she got the job so done. Positive. She got the job done. That's right. That was, mm-hmm. that was yeah. so much mm-hmm. more positive about her human. I'm trying very hard. <laughs> I'm trying. Is is do I detect a note of sarcasm? What do you think? No. Just a bit. Just a little. No, no, it's desperation. <laughs> <laughs> you know how hard this is to pretend that she's okay. <laughs> well, Hedwig, we think it's mighty magnanimous of you to. Make this kind of sacrifice, sacrifice. for your human. Yeah, this kind of resolution. Yeah. This is going to be tough, hard work. We'll we will check in with you again next month and see how it's going. So far, I've made it ten days. That's pretty. That's good. very good. Well, thank thank you so much for spending a little time with us today, magnanimous Hedwig, and we'll see you next month. Au revoir. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. So we are at the Tigapedia portion of our program, I had had a question for Tigger and thought it would be a great discussion about magnesium in horses. Um, so Tigs, um, my, so I was asking about a particular horse and we, you ended up giving me some information that I wasn't aware of, but so I'm just going to ask you a couple questions to start off with and then see where this leads. But, um, I came to you because I had a horse that, um, was tight in the back and had some spooking kind of issues. Um, and I asked you when, you know, when do you know that you need it or how, how do you know that you need it? Um, and you said something to me that was interesting. You said that, that there's really no way to test or measure, um, if they need magnesium. We don't know what the accepted levels of magnesium in horses are. Okay. So, um, so there are, there's, all magnesiums aren't created equal. Would you agree? Correct. And I know that there's, there's different products and there's one, I mean, isn't there three different types like magnesium oxide, uh, magnesium carbonate or something like that. Um, One that, you know, um, I know that there, there, I think there's like three different types, but um, I'm going to back up a second. When would you say, do you feel that your client, you would say add magne- magnesium? Cause it was, you know, it was a question I had to you and you said, yes, add magnesium. And it absolutely made a difference. But with all your clients through Biostar, like, do you ever say, okay, you need to definitely add magnesium? Um, sometimes with, uh, uh, horses that have uh, insulin resistance. Um, okay. Sometimes um, if the client doesn't want to go a more towards a calming or relaxing supplement, they want more muscle relaxing, then I'll recommend the magnesium. I don't recommend okay. it a lot. Uh, again, okay. um, we just don't know what's, I mean, 
you can tell when a horse gets diarrhea from magnesium that you're given too much. Right. But, um, yeah, you know, it, 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 at this point, there's no empirical. It's it's it, it's absolutely can be helpful. You've got to balance the calcium. You know, you don't want you don't want to throw off that two to one ratio of cal mag. So right. that's something to always. So how do you balance? How do you balance? That's that. That, that's uh, know what your hay is. Um, right. Alfalfa is very high in calcium, so that's always good to feed with magnesium, either pellets or right. hay. So that's actually a question. So if you feed magnesium and you haven't balanced it, does is there an adverse effect to that? Well, we don't know. Like, I, I mean, the body is yeah. supposed to be at a level of two to one calcium to magnesium. So, you know, if you're giving one gram of magnesium, you're probably not going to throw it off. But if you're giving 20 grams, you might be, depending on right. the calcium in your the rest of the horse's diet. Okay. Okay. So um, in this particular horse that, um, uh, and again, the one thing to note is that that you can give too much of it and they can absolutely get diarrhea from it. And that's how you generally know you've given too much. Um, I know that as, as women, as we get older, we're supposed to increase our magnesium to help the, um, I think it's like the nerve endings and help the muscles stay in, in a better state to help the nerve endings. Something I, my doctor told me, so I take magnesium. Um, and it, I know it's the same thing with people that if you take too much, you can have diarrhea, you can get diarrhea. Um, but I was particularly talking about a horse that is on um, what I consider to be the best diet. Um, he's um, it's a BioStar diet, and it's all whole food. And we needed to do one more thing. So you recommended, um, and he, and he has he had a very t- kind of a tight back, a little. He's a little PRE, um, very broken his body. He tends to be a little tighter in his muscles, and he doesn't have ulcers. We've checked him for EPM, like all the all the boxes that we checked. So that's why I'd asked you about it. And we put him on MagRestore. Yeah, great product. Yeah, and absolutely positively helped his back, like made a major difference. And I did this the same with my young horse, totally made a difference. Um, how um, how do you, so I, I, obviously all magnesiums aren't created equal. How did you, how did you find out that this particular magnesium was the one to go to? Because I've used tons of different magnesiums, but obviously had a lot of success with this one. Well, it's the form that that's, that's important. Um, magnesium form- can come in, in, you know, magnesium oxide, which is essentially Epsom salts. Okay. Um, or it can come in a, what's called a chelated. Um, okay. And chelated means that the mineral is bound to something that the body recommends. So okay. it can be a protein, it can be vitamin C. Um, it's yeah, the Magristore is a malate. So they use malic acid and they bind the magnesium to it. And so when the okay. horse eats it, the body recognizes the organic, not in farming, but organic to the body, malic acid, and can readily bring the the mineral into the small intestinal wall. When it's when you're just feeding ground ground up Epsom salts, the body's got to find something organic like a, a protein to bind to that um, Epsom salt to get it through the intestinal wall. And so a lot of it doesn't go there, you know, it just doesn't make it. So this, so then the mag restore is just more absorbable. Oh, vastly. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Cause I, cause I, and you I, don't you have know, to I give you. as much, you know, I love right. that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so I guess the other question is, cause one of the things that when we had discussed this is that, you know, and my horses are on a very well-balanced diet. Um, if you're going to give it and you supplement it, how long do you, how long do you do it? Is there a period of time where you say, you know, try it for three months and then stop, or do you keep them on it? 
it depends on the horse. You know, maybe your hay is low in magnesium. Maybe your pastures are low in magnesium. So that would mean that the horse would need to be on it. And the best way to tell is to stop it. And do you see a difference? Okay. Okay, that's good advice. Okay, well, I like I said, I have had I I put two different horses on it. It's the only time I've ever used a magnesium that I will tell you I've noticed a huge difference. That's and that makes me so much more sense. Yeah, I mean, um, but you know, to the point where and and again, it it, and the instructions on the back are very. They have a loading dose, and you can back off or go, you know, up it or whatever. And like Ticker said earlier, you you want to be careful because they can get diarrhea. But the difference that it made. And both of these horses is like, you know, I have uh, my young horse went from, um, you know, being tight in the back, um, uh, learning how to really, you know, take contact to um, literally. So I've had him on it three weeks <clears throat> and has been soft enough that now he's doing a half pass to a change. So it's been kind of an epic change. Wow. Yeah. So, um, but that was the one question I was thinking. I was like, okay, so. All right. So I get him through all of this. This is obviously helping him. And, you know, being in Texas, I mean, we had an extreme summer, um, you know, so far it's not been a mild winter, but I, you know, I don't think that our, um, you know, we, we don't have any grass in the pasture right now and we didn't all summer. And so obviously our hay sources, you know, where they're going to get any of that. So I think that's been a big indicator that he's going to need it. Um, yeah. and I'll probably keep him on through the, through the winter until the spring grass comes in. But, um, it is a, a I, 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 one of those products where you go, okay, this, this is sort of like manna from heaven, you know? Yes. <laughs> Not that every horse needs it, but it was perfect for um, for my guy. Um, and it's, what is the name of the company, Tigger, that sells it? I just um, know it as MagRestore. Yeah, isn't it? The, it's not the Kentucky horse one. But anyway, it's MagRestore. It's easy if anybody decides they want to try to use it. It's very easy to Google um, they actually recommend it's Mag- performance equine nutrition, right? Performance equine. That's right. Nutrition PEM. Yep. PEM. But I highly recommend the product. It was a great suggestion and, um, I'm going to keep doing it and then I will take them off of it in the spring and see what happens. Okay. Now we're at Critter Nutrition. And the topic is hoary elysium. It's a plant you don't want to find in your hay. Recently, several horses in Wellington, Florida, presented with swollen legs, fevers, and laminitis. The culprit appears to be hoary elysium, a member of the mustard family. It was found in bales of Timothy alfalfa hay from Michigan. Hoary elysium is toxic only to horses, not other livestock. Signs of toxicity are seen 12 to 24 hours after a horse ingests the plant. Common reactions include swelling, as in stocking up on all four legs, a fever of 103 or higher, unwillingness to move, and potentially laminitis. The specific toxin in Hori Elysium is not known, but the plant retains its toxicity for up to nine months in hay. Currently, there is no antidote to Horia elysium toxicity in horses. As an invasive plant native to Europe and Asia, the USDA states that Horia elysium should not be planted or propagated under any circumstances in North America. Speculation is that it got introduced to North America as a contaminant in clover and alfalfa seeds. The seeds can be further dispersed on mowers, vehicles, or other machinery. It is possible that wind disperses Hori Elysium seeds as well. This plant tends to be most abundant in disturbed, dry places. In places like dry prairies where vegetation is sparse, it will displace native species. Because it is such a pernicious weed and easily spread, Hori asylum, Elisa, sorry, infestation becomes very challenging for hay growers. The situation this year in Wellington isn't a first time thing, unfortunately. In 2007, 
Kentucky Equine Research reported that Hori alisum has been found in alfalfa hay baled in Michigan as well. Coriolisum likes cold winters and hot, dry summers. In the 1960s, the plant began to appear more frequently in North America hayfields and pastures associated with drought and overgrazing, as well as those with coarse limestone and soil of poor fertility, conditions where Coriolisum thrives. The plant is considered a noxious species in California. Colorado, Idaho, Montana, Oregon, Washington, Wyoming, and Michigan, as well as in the Canadian provinces of Alberta, British Columbia, and Saskatchewan. It is not found in the coastal states from Texas to North Carolina. Researchers at Montana State University have found that in pastures, Coriolisum decreases forage value because the woody stems of mature plants are low in crude protein and digestible carbohydrates. Further research has shown that the plant does poorly where alfalfa is vigorous because alfalfa's shading canopy deprives Horiolisum of light. Where alfalfa growth is poor, Horiolisum thrives. Management and prevention. According to the same Montana State study, Coriolisum growing in Minnesota plots that were clear of other vegetation produced an average of 2,407 seeds per plot, while those growing in plots with other competing vegetation produced an average of only 104 seeds, a 96% reduction. The plant likes poor soil, needs plenty of light, thrives in dry conditions, and does not do well with competition from other vegetation. With this information, researchers have provided key insights on managing and preventing Coriolisum growth. Mowing alone will not control Coriolisum and could worsen infestation by cutting down the shading canopy of neighboring vegetation. Irrigation can be useful to support forage grasses, increasing their competitiveness with Horiolisum. Overutilization of pastures and ranges weakens perennial grasses and creates an ideal scenario for weed invasion. Herbicides are frequently mentioned as a management tool of Horiolisum, particularly after the growing season. Pastures and areas that have been cleared, disturbed by construction, or had introduction of new soil or fill should be monitored for three years or more. Hand-pulling weeds is more manageable when the plants are small and have not spread widely. A vigorous stand of alfalfa grown in healthy soil and either irrigated or receiving plenty of rainfall can help reduce Horiolisum and alfalfa hay. So here we are at Coffee Clatch. And <laughs> uh, the question is, what animal would you not want to be? I, there, there's several on my list. At the top of the list, I would not want to be a hippopotamus. Really? Yes. Okay, why? Because they're grumpy. They're grumpy. Well, maybe they're just right. <laughs> I, you know, they're sort of bad tempered, and you know, they're easy to upset. And I, I just don't think I'd like to live like that. Okay, that's an interesting one. Okay, hippo would not have thought of hippo. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have either. That's why I was like, oh, that surprises me. Okay. How about you, Patty? Well, my number one thing that I would not want to be, uh, I, I wouldn't want to be a snake. I just, snakes freak me out. Thinking about being a snake freaks me out. Thinking about being a snake and somebody not liking snakes. Like, I just, snakes. It's just no for me, a big hard no. No to snakes. So you, you've, since you don't like snakes, you don't want to be a snake, that makes sense? 
yeah, like I understand how they move. Like I just the thought of not having any appendages. I don't know. Just snakes just freak me out. I'd rather be a hippo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't like snakes. So yeah, so that makes me not want to be them. And because I just they're because I feel like they're sneaky. And they just always show up when no one wants them to be there, which is always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you, Jen? See, this is hard because originally the question was going to be what animal did you want to be? And I had that all figured out. So, <laughs> so what, what, what would you want to be? Let's hear, let's hear what you would want to be. I do. For, and this is for a day, not forever. Yes, for a day. For a day. Uh, what are they called? It's the giant land tortoises. Those really giant ones. Like the Galapagos? Yes. Because they look comfortable and quiet and calm and content. They're very zen. Okay. So they I are very be, zen. I wanted to be a tortoise for a day because they've seemed very zen. So that answers my question. What I don't want to be for a day is a chimpanzee. They are not zen. Oh, no. Oh, no. no that's okay. They are definitely not zen. So I would never want to be a chimpanzee for a day. You know what I would like to be for a day is an octopus. Ah. Do you know they're they're in the top 14 intelligent animals on the planet? Okay, well, they're problem we suggest- solvers. They have really good memories. Tigger, what's the name of the book? Oh, that um, great book, Remarkable Creatures. That was one of my favorite all-time books that Tigger had recommended. Um, yeah. That took me six months. But <laughs> it's about an octopus. Um, but that is that 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 is a good one, Tigger. I would say I would I would agree with that. And how about you, Patty? What what animal would you like to be? What animal for a day? Um, for a day, what I like to be is I'd like to be a unicorn. <laughs> oh, you are yeah, a unicorn. Just, oh, just for a day. Because that just unicorns are happy and they can fly and they're always clean <laughs> and they can go wherever they. They're always clean. <laughs> just not one of my top, you know, ten features I think of when I if I'm going to shape shift into an animal. I want to be an animal that's clean. <laughs> yeah, that and I want to be a hippo. <laughs> well, I, what's funny to me is I am so fascinated by how they can swim. Oh, it's amazing! And then remember the hippo, the, the baby hippo, and I get the, the little name is escaping me. Fiona, that was in the Cincinnati Zoo. I was totally infatuated with her when she was born in the Cincinnati, and she was just so cute. And she was. So cute. when you said hippo, it just kind of I was just like, oh, I wouldn't have thought that. Um, cause she, she, I would want to be her because she's adorable, but I'd like to be that big and swim that well. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. But you know, they're very solitary and they don't like to be bothered with things and they don't like to be, they're easily annoyed. And I don't think I would I'm like already to a hippo. That. Wait a minute. <laughs> I was I'm already a hippo. There we go. Yeah. Some, somebody must want me for Christmas. There you go. There you go. <laughs> that's funny. There we go. Well, that's <laughs> funny. If if you have an animal that you either would or would not like to be for a day, we would love to hear about it. You can stop over to the Healthy Critters Radio Facebook page and let us know. Put a picture if you like. Or if you'd like to let us know via email, you can email me, jenniferhorseradionetwork.com, and say, hey, I would like to be a fill-in-the-blank for the for a day, and maybe we'll talk about it on the next show, which is yes. going to be next month because we're once a month. It's winter time, and yes. we'd love to do that. If you have, awesome. a, by the way, if you have a topic that you think would be fun for Coffee Clatch, we're open Please to suggestions. Let us know. Yeah, Jennifer, horsewomenetwork.com. Yeah. Drop us a line. Can't say we'll take it because if it's weird, we won't. But if it's awesome, we will. But if it's really weird, we will. We're triggering jumping in. <laughs> and we'll make you lead the discussion. <laughs> oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> or if you have interesting nutritional nutritional questions for Tigger, hey, we're up yeah. for that too. 
for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. There we go. Well, think, speaking of things we're up for, I am up for a uh, before bed cocoa. So that's what I'm going to do. And we'll see you next month, ladies. Yep. Sounds good. Thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Thank <laughs> you.